Welcome back, where you travel to Recorder on the Wall, where we decide to say, screw books, we're going to watch some cartoons. <laughs> A.K.A. after Downer, after uh, Depression Fest 2018, we decided to do something <laughs> a bit more cheerful. Yes. Yes, we did. I'm Pete. I'm Jeremy. I'm Katie. Uh, Drew had about tonight, so we'll catch him on the next episode. Uh, apparently he's in Boston at a graduation party of some kind, so have fun, Drew. I so. really doubt he's going to find Mr. Squirrel in Boston. No, probably you not. You never know. Sp- well, it's funny you mention that, because he's even in this. So we'll get to that. <laughs> even the cartoon <laughs> can't find Mr. Squirrel. <laughs> okay, so, yes, if you were... If you're a Riddle fan and you were, aren't, aren't aware, there was a three-season TV series that adapted three books. The original, Madame Ayo, and Martin the Warrior. And as Jeremy well pointed out, after the last one, <laughs> after the last book we covered, we kind of need something a little bit more happy. That doesn't mean uh, we, we're not going to make fun of it, though. So... <laughs> So, this, at least locally for me, this ran on PBS, and I would imagine it was the same for you guys if you ever managed to catch it. So. I yeah. didn't have cable. Oh. We just had, like, the most basic TV plan imaginable when I was a child, so I actually didn't take notice of these until probably late high school, early college, so I found them all on YouTube. Yeah. I mean, I remember seeing them on YouTube, but and I, or not YouTube. I remember seeing them on PBS, and I watched a couple of them, but this was after I had walked away from them series, so it wasn't inter- interesting to the point of, oh, this is different, and then, oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I discovered it. I found it completely by accident, not knowing it existed. I was staying at a hotel, and was just flipping channels, and all of a sudden I see a, mu- a mouse with a sword. I was like, oh, that's kind of neat. And I'm like, this kind of looks like Redwall. And it was like the very end of the last episode. So it was like the very <laughs> end of the book. And I'm like, <laughs> Wait a minute. Oh my god, it's a Red Wall cartoon and I just saw the end. <laughs> yeah. So, before we get into this, I mentioned that, yes, we're going to make fun of this, and we are, but the c- question of adaptation is always a tricky thing among fandoms. Let <laughs> me be the first to say that, as far as adaptations goes, I welcome them. I understand, I'm not one of these purest fanboys you find out there. Uh, okay, <laughs> Jeremy was kind of expecting a joke there, no worries. Oh, sorry. <laughs> so. <laughs> different bad, me hate different things, different equals bad. Okay, that's the internet's opinion. Um, <laughs> moving on. Moving my opinion on. is, my opinion is, yeah, stuff's gonna change. Now, as long as the major functions of the story you're adapting are still in place, adaptations are not a bad thing. There's even a few few things out there that actually work better as an adaptation than they do uh, in their original form. For example, Game of Thrones. What? I said it, nerds. Pete's <laughs> um, challenging the internet again. Yes, I am. Twice in one episode. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. I've, I, I've read those books. I like those books. But as far as like, streamlining everything and actually making it a coherent narrative versus being sidelined for something we didn't expect that really has no major thing on the plot, I actually like the TV show over the books. Same with Beeper Vendetta the movie. And I'm sure you 
you guys may have summoned yourself. Point is, when we're looking at this, we're going to nitpick it, but we're nitpicking it out of love, not out of fanboy or fangirl rage, respectively. Exactly, and you know, I'm glad I kind of have some distance about this, because, like, growing up as a blind child, and reading books, like, I was able to understand exactly what happened in the books, and it made me so happy, and then I would watch movies, and if they adapted, like, if they strayed too far from the adaption, I would have no idea what was going on, and that was what fueled my fangirl rage about this. Like, when I first watched the first episode with Matthias and his sister, question mark? I know it was his sister now, but I'm like, wait, what? What the hell is going on? I just got really mad. I was like, this is not, this is different, different is bad, and I was very mad. But now, I mean, I think it's made a difference that so much uh, TV is described now. So if the adaption is different, I can follow it along a little bit better. But I guess I understand adaptions, I just when I was watching this again for this podcast, I was just remembering my absolute rage at the first time I watched it. I was like, well, I'm glad I, I'm glad I watched it before so I don't have to like get mad all over again. <laughs> Fair enough. Jeremy, what's your opinion on adaptations? I'm fine with them. Like, I mean, in some cases, I will go with the adaptation over the original, like with all the Marvel movies. I don't read comics, so I'm glad that they're of it, like there's movies that you know borrow ideas, but just do their own thing. So if at some point I do decide to read the comics, I can look at something different. Um, and in some cases, if something is too close of an adaption, you know, it's like I don't know. Different forms of media give you different things. So it's like if you try to adapt a movie to be identical to a book or a comic book, some things just don't translate well to different mediums and I'm fine with stuff like and I totally accept like some differences that will happen like when I see like I said when I've seen comic book movies and I see different character designs I'm like yeah because some of those things that work in comics will not work in a live action movie right and then there are things that are bad to start with and putting them as an animated or live action film doesn't make them any better say uh <laughs> oh I don't know The Dark Knight Returns I was just about to say that <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, long story, Katie, but we there is a like a three more than three hour animated version of a famous comic book out there by Frank Miller, and uh-huh. they're both terrible. <laughs> yep. Did you do it for your podcast? Yes, we yes. did actually. Did. Uh, t- almost two years ago, we did it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I found, I listened to your episode on the, the original episode you did on the Redwall series. Okay. Oh. Oh, cool. (laughs) I don't even remember what we said anymore. (laughs) I I don't either. I was actually thinking of looking for our old notes and, like, copying and pasting a couple and seeing if you would notice that I did that. (laughs) Allow me to refresh your memories as we go along. Okay. (laughs) Sounds good. I, all I mainly remember from us doing that was I liked Regeer's rambling, and I still do, and I came up with a goofy voice for Matthias' sister. Yes, you did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going to get to her. Um, so this series starts, um, what, what can you say? I mean, it. what can you say about this first season? It's a little rough around the edges. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I like the seasons two and three much better than this one. I Although I do, you know, like any sort of adaptation, 
is in some way going to make me a little bit happy because I'm like just the curiosity of what are they going to do with this? What is this person going to sound like? You know, like how is this going to play out? So, and then of course some things were disappointing and some things weren't. So. And then you have Slagar played by Tim Curry. Yeah, I was. I was going to make the comment that apparently getting bit by a snake causes your voice to change into that of Tim Curry. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, except Slagar has no awesome Broadway singing voice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I may have to make a few it jokes when we come around to that again. Come around to that one. But that's not a story for another day. So the series opens completely off book, pretty much. Um, I mean, Mar- yes, it literally begins the same way with Matthias running through the Great Hall and he trips and spills all his nuts, and the Abbot, who's still a jerk. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh my God, um, yeah, that's that's something that I feel is very different from the book is the Abbot being. A huge jerk this entire book, this entire show. Yep. Oh, uh, he outright. Well, what got I made me do, do a double take was he says, uh, "Well, Martin just came here to the Abbey when he was wounded, and he liked our life so much he adopted it." <laughs> no, he founded the Abbey. <laughs> this is canon, dude. You don't know your own history. Revisionist history. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Mortimer's interpretation. Also, I'd like to say Mortimer, Martin, Matthias, Methuselah. I can't remember if I pointed this out before, but there's a lot of M names in this book. Yes, there are. So, while Matthias is staring at the tapestry, which strangely has Clooney on it, what? <laughs> uh, no, 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 no. This is from the. This is one of one of the things I will nitpick out of fanboy rage about. <laughs> like, uh. The whole whole thing in this ta- in the tapestry is that it's showing Martin's history. It would so unless the cr- unless the people it, is it Bellmaker where they make it? I guess uh, it's a uh, Marielle of Redwall, sort of. So close. Yeah, it's because during that, it's being sewn during Marielle of Redwall. But then we find out in Legend of Luke, the third book, which we haven't got to yet, um, that they bring back a picture of Martin that they're going to sew into the tapestry. So. In Marielle, it seems like they're actually making the picture of Martin from scratch, and then in Legend of Blue, they're sewing a picture into a tapestry. So we'll get there when we get there. That was just the thing that I was like, hmm. One of the things that is just showing me this is like, this is a history of Martin, and there's Clooney on the tapestry, and I'm like, what? Well, obviously, the tapestry can see the future. I guess. Or, you know, getting meta, the writers weren't very careful with how they uh, prepared this because in the next season, Matameo marries his aunt. Wait, so, what? Yeah, because we're, Cornflower's parents, oh God. Mr. and Mrs. Churchmouse, and then Tim and Tess were also Churchmice. Wait, what? I did not catch that. <laughs> yeah, yep. you know, let's say that for another day because I have to make a Game of Thrones joke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, uh, so we uh, truly where this year where this series goes completely off book is where we have Matthias flashing back to his early history that the book honestly didn't touch on because it wasn't important. Yeah, all the book said was that Matthias was an orphan that they found. I think. Yeah, and that yeah. was it. And you really don't need to do much more than that. 
but no, the series takes the show here takes great pains to show Matthias a little, and he's cute. I'm not gonna lie, little Matthias is cute. He grew into um, his ears. He, he grew did. into a British accent too. Because <laughs> the younger the younger guy has a sort of Canadian type accent, and then when he got older, all of a sudden he was British. So how did that happen? <laughs> Suddenly British. Yes. And uh, yeah, so, but we see Matthias growing up, and his obviously poor parents with like was it two other kids. There was definitely younger, and then the, the sister, which we're getting to. Um. <laughs> I know, yeah, I know you're saving it, Jeremy. Uh, and uh, they're living in a presumably northern village because it's snow. There's a lot of snow on the ground. And, uh, yeah, Clooney just comes in and does what Clooney does best to this poor mouse village. Hi, Clooney, you're early. <laughs> <laughs> to me, it felt like the minute like Clooney like appeared, it felt like he belched into the camera. He was just like, the camera zoomed in, he's just like, right. <laughs> Sorry, that was a little too clog of me. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm not really a fan of the Clooney voice, and I think it's the same voice that plays the Badrang voice later, and it doesn't doesn't sound particularly evil to me. He sounds like he's got something caught in his throat. Yeah. Jeez, Steve, I want you to find more rats to join <laughs> us. Yes, exactly. Yeah, pretty much. So, yeah, Matthias watches back, and apparently Clooney built, burned down his village, killed his parents, and presumably the baby sibling. So, unless fanfic writers want to restore them, whoever they were. I didn't even know about I... the baby sibling, so there you go. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, we get Myrtle, his sister, who takes him all the way to Redwall. Well, at least... Well, at least they kept with the naming convention. Her name starts with an M. Hmm. And although she and Matthias both fall into freezing water at one point, yeah, you're dead. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're dead. <laughs> this is a medieval set handing. You're dead. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, the, they were saved by Matthias' sister's voice. <laughs> Yep. Yes, they were. Because, essentially, uh, they Myrtle finally makes it to the Abbey, and she pretty much collapses outside, and we kind of see... It was pretty brutal. Like, she trips and falls face down in the water and just dies. I don't know. I felt like that was really brutal for the beginning of a kid's cartoon. Oh, no. It gets worse. <laughs> oh yeah, the the peanut gallery. <laughs> yeah, Matthias wakes up in a bed, and you know, Con- apparently Constance is more watching over him. And then you see younger mice out, like at the like at the far end of the infirmary, and uh, Matthias can hear them. Maybe he can saying, hear them. His sister died. Dead she is. <laughs> and. Sp- Spectacular bedside manner. Yeah, <laughs> and and he's like, "Where's my sister?" And the abbot's like, "Well, she's resting." Yeah, resting in a box, growing daisies <laughs> beneath the earth. This is a this is a non mouse. The rest of life, she's gone to sleep with the choir invisible. 
Then we get Methuselah, who's like, I think we've been expecting you. He's creepy. <laughs> okay, my mind ran to Professor Farnsworth for every time he was on screen. <laughs> oh my, yes. Good news, everyone. <laughs> I have figured out the riddle. <laughs> I am that is. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> uh. So, finally, when we get back to the book proper. Oh, wait, no, because we need to address this. Matthias apparently gets withdrawn. He's traumatized. I'm not. I'm not knocking this. Okay, it happens. Kids. <laughs> kids um. Um. No, he he's silent, withdrawn. It's Cornflower who basically gets him to talk again. Got to start that shipping early. Yep. Well, as we'll find out, Cornflower has a much bigger role in the cartoon than she did in the book. Hey, now I've kind of mixed okay feelings with... about it. Like, I like uh, it in some ways, but in other ways, she seems to receive what people who like the Harry Potter and books and movies would call the Hermione complex, where they just give Hermione all the awesome ideas, no matter whose ideas they were in the book, and that's great from one perspective, but, like, how can Cornflower interpret what the moles are saying when that was Methuselah's thing, and, like, his thing was to understand languages, and all of a sudden Cornflower's like, oh, yes, he's needing to say this. But okay. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, at one point I was just like, hey, if Cornflower's the one solving all the riddles, shouldn't she get the sword? Right, exactly. I mean, they, they grant this, the book, the series gives her more agency than she has in the books, and I'm actually okay with that for the most part, minus the minor, the point you brought up, Katie, but, um, yeah, at some point it's like, okay, why isn't she the warrior here? <laughs> yeah. So, one thing, uh, so yeah, we basically pick up right where Redwall left off. And we kind of, I will give the animated series two actually really good points here. One, Jake doesn't always write very well some of the, uh, I guess, religious actions that an actual Abby would do into the series. So, when we see the the brothers, uh, I get and chanting, and Matthias is kind of like, oh, okay. I'm like, okay, yeah, cool. And here's the other thing that I will give the animated series. Scale. One of the things that, and this is why we do the whole how anthropomorphic are they segments, is because Jake's is deliberately vague on how big or small creatures are in respect to each other. We know badgers are big, but we don't know how much bigger they truly are. Or, you know, how... Do they walk on all fours, or do they not? And how anthropomorphic are they here? Very. Yeah, that's one thing that this one is more straightforward than the book. Though, granted, this is this cartoon was made after all, almost well, a large portion of the other books were done. Um, I know in the original Red Wall, it was a lot more. It was kind of all over the place because it was the first book, and I think mm-hmm. Jake's himself was trying to decide the anthropomorphizedness, if that's a word, of <laughs> all the characters. Mm-hmm. And we're going to see this actually turned on its head when we come to the graphic novel, but that's an episode for another day. So, well, However, one of the things that one of the things that scale does not get right is the horse. And uh, 
one point when Clooney stands up and like behind it, eh, maybe it's not full like real scale to real horses to humans, but he's a lot taller than you expect a rat to be. But when other rats get close to it, no, they look a lot smaller. So the series can't even keep that consistent. I think the scale of the buildings is pretty consistent, like the creatures compared to everything else, but the proportions yeah. of the characters are all over the place. Like, Agreed. We'll get to him, but Basil is gigantic. <laughs> he's taller than Constance. Yeah, he's huge. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so, ignoring the horse, because... Like we said, kind of in our original episode, yeah, that's weird, and it's just a product of the first book, and Jake's defining his own rules. So, uh, I mean, we basically we basically follow where this is going to go, where the book leads. Um, there's this huge feast, and oh, before this happens, Matthias, we actually see Brother Alfred Matthias catch the fish, and it's funny. And Mortimer. <laughs> berates Matthias and he's like you should be more careful don't you know Alf gets seasick he was seasick gets seasick why was he fishing on a boat yeah that's a I feel like that's a thing to add I don't remember anything about that in the two novels in which uh, Brother Alf makes an appearance yeah yeah and then and then when they actually serve the fish uh, Alf is rightly credited for it, but Matthias stands up like, hey, I did it too. Yeah. Oh, sit down, you <laughs> egotistical little turd. <laughs> and I helped. <laughs> <laughs> and we get Friar Hugo, who for some reason sounds like hedonism bot from Futurama. <laughs> Jumpy, get the chocolate sauce. I apologize for nothing. <laughs> Also, they randomly cut to Clooney and his gang, like, you know, running around, like, you know, riding around on the horse and everything. I swear they passed the same sign twice. I they think do, they're... but it's... The mileage is reduced each time. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I just thought... It's implied that they're getting closer. Oh. I, I just thought Clooney was going in circles and was too stubborn to ask for directions. Well, that could be, too. Eh, given it's Clooney, Yeah. Uh, we also see Sam Squirrel here. He's a baby, and he's tiny, like, really tiny, but he's there for all two seconds in a background shot. Oh, I must have missed him. Well, I did, yeah. too. So when Clooney finally stops the cart and the horse gets away, he basically says, okay, yeah, he does what we see in the book. He's like, okay, let's go round up some extra recruits. And there's Constant Matthias looking from hidden in the, in the bushes. Again, this is, again, maybe the fault of the animated series, but when the cart first crashes and everybody gets out, they put their numbers at a couple of dozen. But when Matthias gets back to the Abbey, he's like, uh, a couple hundred? I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Okay. There were that, that many could fit in that cart? <laughs> I think this line was from the book, but I just didn't think about it until now. Constance brings up, she says, like, my grandfather knew what a sea rat, knew a sea rat. I'm thinking, I bet Constance's grandfather was Lord of Salamandastron. Probably. Which one would have that been, then? Uh, in be somewhere in between Salamandastron and Redwall. Yeah, Earthlight-ish. Descendant of Earthlight. Hmm. 
I mean, it could be a defecto. I mean, I think in is it, it's not Alma. What's what's uh, Mara? I'm thinking, yeah, maybe from the line of Mara. Because uh, at the end, of, spoilers at the end of that book, we're told she goes to Redwall. But yeah, you can pres- con- you could presume Constance is her daughter. So yeah, depending on how far out this is from Salamandastron, like, I've always felt like there was this huge gap in between Salamandastron and Redwall that we just, like, never got filled in. No. Yeah, that's true, because it was Abbott, Vale, no, Abbott, Saxis, then Abbott, Vale, and then some Abbots that Methuselah couldn't remember, so there had to be at least two or three Abbots in between Saxis and, no, that, Vale and Mortimer. I can't keep my Abbot straight today. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And, uh... Why did I put out... Matthias is pointing out the plot holes. I can't remember. Hmm. Hmm. He's what? I wrote down here the, at the very end of the episode, Matthias is pointing out the plot holes. Uh, what was he? I... Maybe that he was pointing out that Clooney was on the tapestry. Oh, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Well, Run a rebellion! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I do like Clooney, when they when Clooney and company actually show up at Redwall and he's trying, like, the poor pathetic rat routine. He's like, oh, we're all injured. Don't, don't worry, we're not here to hurt you. I just want to get inside and eat you all. I'm sorry, <laughs> I didn't mean that. <laughs> that and his face when Constance... Punches Dark Claw and sends him flying. <laughs> He's just like, oh god! <laughs> I've made a terrible mistake. I'm yep. going to go home and rethink my life. Yep. And he's like, I w-, he's like, I will have my revenge. I am not retreating. I am advancing towards future victory. <laughs> oh. And Cornflower points out to Matthias as you know near the, at the end of the episode. It's like I saw Clooney's face when you talked to him. He was scared of you. I'm like, no, he was scared of the giant badger wielding the table. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So episode, and then he, the other thing with the tapestry though is that in all three seasons, the kind of like the writers do a visual representation of literally what just happened in the previous episode and what just happened in the episode you just watched in this kind of tapestry animation. Which is kind of cool. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. It's adding to the tapestry of their lives. Wah, wah. Whew, that was the corniest thing I've ever said. <laughs> no. Are no, you it's sure? Not. <laughs> no, it's not. Jeremy, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, episode two begin basically begins with Clooney saying, "Hey, Shadow, go steal me the tapestry." Okay. <laughs> yeah, we get Shadow, who then in the book we you know it's interpreted that he just throws a rope over and climbs up. In this one, no, we get him literally crawling across the wall, which just made me start going. Spider shadow, spider shadow, does whatever a spider shadow does. Sneaks into the abbey, steals Martin's tapestry. Look out! Here comes the spider shadow. Oh, and if, if the walls were that easy to climb, why is Clooney even trying? So. Right. 
And Shadow is the has has glowing eyes of red eyes of doom. No pupils, just red. Well, to be fair, real rats actually do have red eyes. Yeah, some do. Um, and you know you get the the backlight effect of certain animals. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, uh, he, there's another major point that the series that this cartoon does here, and I'm like, I had to like you know hear the record scratch in my head, and I'm like, what? And it went, basically when Constance comes down to few Father Friar Hugo, who is cavorting in his own kitchen. <laughs> cavorting. I apologize for nothing. <laughs> I just, every when you do that, I picture him waving the little dock leaf in front of his face and lying on the floor. Uh, she, Constance is like, yeah, you, you need to, we want an inventory of the food supplies. Okay, that's fair. You're about to be under siege. But they outright say in in this scene here, yeah, if we're not careful with our food stocks, we're going to starve because we get supplemental shipments from the outside world. Like, what? wait, what? Wrong. <laughs> that no, this is this is one of the major things in this series, that Redwall is always self-sufficient. They have water, they have food, and they can basically just blow raspberries at whatever invading army goes by. Yeah. And somehow, in Matameo, that never gets brought up. Like, hey, look, we can support ourselves now. Look how much we've learned since season one. <laughs> yeah, and it's actually exact opposite of what they say in the book of, we have plenty mm-hmm. of food, we can hold out under a long siege. Yeah. Yeah. And that's constantly a plot point in each of the books. Like even in um Matameo the book, when Iron Beak tries to take over the whole all of Redwall, he even points out he's like, Look, I know they got plenty of food down there. I have to go after them at some point. Yeah. I mean arguably and we're this is jumping ahead to the book of Salamandastron, the Abbey is a lot more prepared for a siege than a frickin' mountain of war. Because <laughs> but when we see in that book <laughs> They don't have freshwater supplies, breaking series continuity, but that's another story for another day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm. So, yeah. So, Matthias catches uh, Shadows running away, and he's very bitey. Yeah. <laughs> and then he falls off. God, when he falls off that wall, and just like, ah, splat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and unfortunately he doesn't pick himself up like Wiley Coyote, because that would actually have been funny. <laughs> or hold up a sign that just goes like, ouch. <laughs> yeah. And just like in the book, Clooney takes the tapestry from the now dying shadow. Yep, looks down and, and goes, laughs about it. Yeah, but he's like, well, that's a shame. Bye. Yeah, I always got the impression. Uh, is this a bad time to cash out my 401k? <laughs> Your vermin HRs. Yeah, where's your vermin HRs? No, vermin HR. My only weakness. <laughs> yeah, they're waiting back at his camp, and it's like, so, Clooney, where's Shadow? And they're like, uh, Clooney, didn't you go out with three people? No. <laughs> didn't Shadow go with you? Uh, that was just a trick of the lighting. <laughs> I totally didn't just leave him behind to die. And I always got the impression that, like, it could have been the voice actor in the audiobook, but the way Clooney 
dismisses Shadow when he is killed is much more callous, I feel like, in the book. He's just like, if you're mm-hmm. dead, then you're no use to me, and, like, that's, that's it. Like, I don't know, it just um, seems... Yeah, I would agree. Seems yeah. to have a bigger impact in the book than just him going, I <laughs> <laughs> I, want, I want him to do that at one point. Just be like, ah, yes. So and then, and we we Redwall immediately does rings their bells because again, this is out of the book where they basically let the local muscle area know, like, get inside now. Yeah. Yeah. And oop, the whole family got captured. Meanwhile, Colin Bull's an idiot running around chasing after a butterfly. But it seemed like he was a much younger baby in the in the series, so I didn't have as much yeah. annoyance for him. Yeah, I, I'm not annoyed about it. I'm just okay. We had to. <laughs> this is one plot point. They no, no, they really had to do because Matthias had to go rescue him. Never mind. Yeah. So, and, and, and then I, we get. <clears throat> To, like, Back to the Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, it's it's kind of funny though, because like Constance finds Colin Vol and runs into where Methuselah, Matthias, and Corflower and goes, Clooney has the Vol family, and they'll just kind of look at her deadpan, like, uh huh, and. <laughs> oh. <laughs> like, it's just like the lack of reaction from them, which is priceless. Like, and okay, <laughs> anything important you need to tell us? <laughs> and nothing of value was lost. Yeah. Aww. Matthias! <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Also, Matthias is a very fast healer in this episode. He takes a minor blow to his brow that heals within about two minutes. Mm-hmm. He's a mouse wizard. <laughs> Oh, but who does that make Hagrid to say, you're a wizard, Matthias? Constance? Uh, yeah, Constance, maybe. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> okay. So, yes, but they're figuring out the riddle, and Gornflower, like I said, she's Nancy Drew here, and <laughs> there's the Hardy Boys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know, it just seems like, to me, Methuselah is a little bit more useless in the animated series. Not that he's totally useless, but Cornflower is figuring out all this stuff. She's figuring out the anagram, and then the mold, and she was the one who discovered the step. And I was like, uh, what's Methuselah doing? Hanging out? (laughs) Good news, everyone! (laughs) I'm useless to the series. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's part of uh, was it the anthology of interest from Futurama? It's like, what if Cornflower was more pro- proactive than everyone else in the book? Yeah. Oh, uh, we then get to cut to one of my favorite moments of Rigier walking ar- around, rambling. Yeah, chief. That there were twenty of them. That was it. Yes, I took. A- I beat them all except for one. Got away. Yeah. <laughs> I love rambling Regeer. Silly rat face. And, uh, Matthias still does the hole, stretches out a branch, and smacks him with it. Yeah. Top hole! Like, it's a car. And yes, we have Basil introduced in the series, and he is still the best hair of all time. Oh, I love him. 
He's huge, though. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> he's, oh my god, he's giant. <laughs> and I honestly got a John Cleese vibe out of his voice actor. Yeah, I like this. So does that mean that we're rating hairs now on the scale of Basil to Fleetscut? <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> even, in, even when we're reviewing the cartoons, we have to insult Fleetscut. <laughs> yep. <laughs> we really hate him. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. Mortimer is kind of a jerk in this book, but it's like he even, in this show, because he even berates Matthias for trying to stop Shadow from stealing the tapestry. But you know what? Still better than Fleet Scott. Yeah, and that's what you pointed out in, in the original episode that you did this. Like, the Abbot is kind of dumb in the show, and in the book, he's way more like, okay, I don't like fighting, but I'm just going to let you guys handle it. But in this one, he's just like, no, no fighting, children. Yeah. Or, I mean, there's a point where uh, Constance points out, you know, like, we have a tactical advantage. We should use it. He's like, no, oh, no, I don't want to do any counterattack. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, fine. Well, and let's see how that works out for you by the end of this show. Yeah. So, what else happens? Oh, yeah. Matthias and Basil tie up Ragnar, and they go rescue the whole family, and it's actually quite funny to watch Basil... <laughs> Against the rats. I, I, I started playing the Benny Hill theme while he was doing that. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, but Ragnar wakes up and, oh. Oh yeah, that, I didn't mention that earlier. Because we're going to, I'm going to forget about it if I don't. Back to, way back during Matthias' flashback in Myrtle's Journey and the whole how anthropomorphic are they comes up, we see a full-blooded cat walking on four feet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As well as Asmodeus, because, well, he's a snake. But. Yep. <laughs> and then we get sounds of Asmodeus eating Ragir and Delicious. Ew. I ate him with a nice Chianti. <laughs> <laughs> Asmodeus is. I don't know if he's. I don't know if he's. He he's definitely chilling in some aspects, but he's also like, okay, you're there. Yeah. Yeah. And we get a slight difference. uh, We get another change up from the book, where in the original, Matthias ran off by himself, got lost in the woods, and then. Adorable little Silent Sam led him back, but in this one we get Matthias, Basil, and the whole family like, oh shoot, how are we going to get in? And then corn, and, and then Cornflower is like, I found where Cooney is. I see where Matthias is. I'm going to go open the front gate for him. All right, charge everyone. Let's get him in. Wait, what? Wait, what? Okay, General Cornflower. Wait for the otter, otter Spartans to come out. Yeah. No, 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 no. They're they're freaking Spartans. They're they walk out in a phalanx form. Ish, ish. No, I'm not going to push that. <laughs> <laughs> and ah. they line up perfectly. Also, I would like to point out that they could have opened one of the many side doors that are used throughout this franchise for people to sneak into the Abbey. Instead of, you know... Somehow the bad guys never find. Yeah. So. <laughs> Apparently in this cartoon, the heroes can't find the side door either. Well, it happens. Yeah. 
Also, they get back in. Basil is bigger than Constance. <laughs> yeah, that's no. not correct. No, but that, I I do love this line where where he he talks about uh, uh they they're they think that we already know they're on rationing and they're like okay let's invite Basil to the kitchen. <laughs> well, that's the end of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just thought his train of thought was a bit creepy where he talks about Asmodeus and he's like, like, Slytherin fellow eats mice. Talking of which, I'm a bit peckish myself. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Mice. (laughs) Maybe reword that. (laughs) But by the end, oh yeah, the plank. I forgot about that. Looks like Looney walks the plank. Matthias is, (laughs) yes he does. Because when Matthias is out rushing the whole family, Clunis is doing his next major attempt into Redwali, which involves stretching a plank from a tree to the wall, and this is from the books. Okay, fine. Uh, it's less hu- humorous than the books, because in the books, Constance literally just kicks the plank and it all collapses. And she gets a grim pleasure out of it. Yep. Here, she has to actually, like, lift it over her head. And yeah. if Matthias helps her. Yes. And we get a Scottish cheese thief. Yes. Yeah, who yeah has which is really very bloodshot eyes. And uh yeah. So I can't hold calls the blank chief. I don't have the power. <laughs> <laughs> so Clooney falls all the way to the ground Splat. and is bloodlessly injured. We're not told how. And unlike with Shadow earlier. His troops are like, eh, maybe we should get him back home. <laughs> but no one thinks to call a healer until the third episode when Clooney's like, yeah, go get a healer. Yeah. Sella, I know her. <laughs> yeah. you know, something I liked in the beginning of episode three where Clooney's having his nightmare. So in the book, it's always said that he sees like this faceless mouse wielding a sword and shield and everything. In the cartoon, we see what is most likely Martin at first, but then we see the mouse in full armor, and he has Cornflower's ribbon on the ar- on his arm, which means that's yeah. Matthias he's dreaming about, not Martin. Huh. Interesting. I would like to point out that um, this is the first instance that stuck out to me, anyway, of totally different pronunciations from the series and the audiobook of the name of the healer fox. In the audiobook, it's Sela, and in the series, it's Sela. Yeah. Mm. Court reporter things, but only court reporters lady. notice. <laughs> <laughs> no, I honestly, and I always pronounced it in my head as Sela when I had I think when we, when we did the podcast uh, about the first book, did we call her Sela? I believe I don't remember. so. Um, but the episode opens, right, well, before Clooney's thing, he's Methlusa, you know, Professor Methlusa here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's a little worse. Oh. Uh, he, uh, he, he's being nuts still. He outright says, oh, well, there's gonna, the magic of the tapestry is gonna make Clooney's life heck. And then that's where we get into the, uh, uh, whole nightmares. Good news, everyone. Clooney's insane. 
Yeah. And uh, I'm thinking in my back of mind, no, this is established rule. There is no magic. Except for an established rule set that lets allows a limited amount of contact between the dead and the, in the afterlife. There's no outright magic, but there's definitely like a touch of mysticism a lot in this series. There's badger drugs. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you could argue that's organic. <laughs> <laughs> organic to the plot or organically chlorone? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh that also brings up the theme Clooney is injured and he doesn't have regular guards because he uh, one thing he first thing he does when he wakes up from his nightmare is call for his officers and they're like hey what took you so long I could have been killed by an assassin <laughs> I, I do like when he calls cheese thief and he's like cheese thief I cannot lead like this. Oh, so you want me to go lead for you, right, Chief? <laughs> no, you idiot. Shutting up. Shutting up, Chief. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was a good so one. Good. Just, like, shot him right down. Nope. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. It basically tells him to go get Sela. And then we go back to Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to give that up. God, these keep making me want to make the Hardy Boys jokes, and I don't want to. <laughs> uh, but um, they find what's called, like, what? The writing in the old hand. Pete, I don't know about you, but I thought it looked like Hylian lettering. From It does. Yeah. Okay, good. It, it wasn't just me. And I just immediately went, The Legend of Cornflower, Matthias to the Past. <laughs> Is that. Uh, no, I don't like that because that means Cornflower wouldn't be wielding the sword. Because at this point. <laughs> yeah, she then. Yeah. I love it when she starts, like, Matthias and Methuselah are staring at the I am that is, <laughs> like idiots. And then she just starts talking to me, like, Hat. It's them. And they look at her like, what the heck is wrong with you? <laughs> I'm on drugs. <laughs> I'm doing convenient plot things, if you don't mind. Yeah. I'm trying to progress the story along. <laughs> look, we only have a 22-minute episode here. Do you want to sit here sit here waiting, waiting for the plot to happen, or want me to advance it? <laughs> so... So, Pete, question, as you have watched yeah. the Bridge series, did they ever, like, Photoshop in her looking at the book to figure out these puzzles herself? No. <laughs> uh, no, they didn't. Darn as it. As far as I can remember. Lost opportunity. They do have her, they do have her smack Matthias a lot <laughs> off screen. Like, she'll say something sass, sassy or stupid, and she just, she'll have none of it. Not right slaps him. <laughs> But they, ju- I noticed they jumped right into the chosen one narrative here thing. Like, okay, you know, again, back in the original book, it becomes pretty obvious by the end of it. Yeah, Matthias is Martin's successor, reincarnation, whatever you want to call it. But he's basically been, co- basically, yeah, he's stepping into Martin's shoes and he's doing what needs to be done. They get to that by the third episode. I am that is. Oh, that's you, Matthias. Yeah. Oh. I must be an awesome warrior, then. 
Yeah, it seems like they're rushing a lot of these stories from the book so they can get into the weird stuff that doesn't happen in the book during later episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It did feel like yeah, so. Episode four. I mean, jumping ahead for a second, but like episode four ends with Matthias getting down from the roof, and that's kind of a late part in the book, and they're only on the fourth episode by that point. Yeah. I was like, this really? This season's thirteen full episodes. Like, what else happens? Not like a circus comes to town or anything. <laughs> Wait, really? No, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that happens. We haven't got there with the episode before we watched, but yes. Okay yeah. then. Yes. So you would really think that in the Madame Ayo cartoon, they'd be like, this feels like deja vu. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Except for, yeah. And I was going to say, I got confused with Martin the Warrior and their show. I was like, wait, no, this is not the good guys one. There's two <laughs> bad guy ones, and then a good guy one. So. Yeah. I, I do we like... finally... We oh. oh. Sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, we do get a quick cut over to Clooney and Sila, and I, I just found this hilarious where Clooney's like, give me some of those herbs. And she goes like, I have plenty of herbs for you. <laughs> she just yep. like, the sly correction of his pronunciation of it is great. Which is funny because in the British dialect, I believe you do pronounce the H in herb. Uh, okay. So, huh. I don't know if she was, like, meaning to do that, or... If, if the, because I think, yeah. aren't most of the actors Canadian, like, putting on British accents? Uh, this was made by Nirvana, and... Yeah, Canadian Animation Studio. Okay. I know yeah, that so. happens sometimes in cartoons or games or just anything with voice acting or, or just anything in general. Sometimes the actors will pronounce the same thing two different ways. Yeah. Mr. Leviosa. <laughs> yes. Hmm? Sorry, I couldn't resist. Huh? Leviosa, not Leviosa. Oh. A Harry Potter joke. Oh. <laughs> I, I, I was actually thinking of the very first Star Wars, of uh, actually Star Wars, where at some points they call her Princess Leia, and sometimes they call her Princess Leia. Oh, I never realized that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Carrie Fisher's not quite British accent that disappears by Empire. So. <laughs> oh, so in in the first Star Wars she would pronounce oh. it herbs, and then in Empire she would pronounce it herbs. Yes. Yes. Gee, I wonder if Sailor and Chicken Hound are treacherous. The series is not making it subtle with their <laughs> facial expressions. Maniacal laugh. Yes, the two of them sneak off after they think they drugged Clooney, and Clooney pours out his medicine. Clooney, (laughs) you know what you're supposed to do? The doctor gives you that for a reason. You have to finish out your prescription. (laughs) Yeah, Berman HR is going to be very unhappy with them. Yes. And, uh, yeah, they sneak off to go betray Clooney, and then Clooney literally, he looks up, he calls his officers back in, and literally talking to the camera, he says, yeah, by, do- by midday tomorrow, Red will be mine. Everybody Who's got that. <laughs> <laughs> Who's he talking to, boss? Who are you talking to? The children. <laughs> what? I'm just... 
casually looking at the fourth wall of the tent. <laughs> Is the boss crazy? <laughs> uh, Vermin HR, I think we have a problem. <laughs> yeah. This is also, again, we mentioned this when we covered this uh, with Redwall. Compared to other Vermin leaders we're going to see, no one takes advantage of a downed Clooney here. No. Like, hey, that guy who doesn't treat you very well is injured, can't defend himself as well. We're just saying. Well, they were better about it in the book, where in the book it was made uh-huh. clear that they were still scared of him. Like, they yeah. thought yeah. the fact that he survived scared them, and then they're like, maybe he's just messing with us and might actually strike if we try anything. You know, the, the because his tail is. Go ahead. Even when his tail is injured, he still uses it as a freaking whip. Yep. I mean, this isn't like the old Transformers cartoon where Megatron gets shot once and all of a sudden Starscream's like, "I'm the leader now." <laughs> <laughs> yep. So they dig the tunnel. They, Clooney's had bright ideas to dig the tunnel, which comes at the end. Of the original book. Yeah. But hey, we're not gonna we're gonna ignore that. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, thousands of miles away at Redwall. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, Redwall. Constance just straight up opens the door for sale in Chicken Hound. Yeah, come right in. Yeah, and then she leaves the door open. Yeah, bad <laughs> plan. I like it much better in the book the way they did this. That's my that's my nitpick for this episode. Like, Constance was way smarter about it in the book. Yeah. Oh yeah. Out, well, as I recall in the book, she meets Sela in the in the field <laughs> and grabs her by the throat. Yes. <laughs> well, that was after she messes with Chicken Hound by making him actually throw the message up to the top of the wall while she just stands there and waits for him. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, yeah. oh, that means- and then oh and then when Constance realizes her error in leaving the foxes alone <laughs> Professor Metzler says oh I'll go watch them okay sure yeah he can keep an eye on two younger foxes oh yeah I, I do love that like before, even before that so when they actually find Martin's tomb and everything I don't know I we're going to get to Moss Flower, of course, and the characters and that, but now I can't read these, like, see these riddles now without think, picturing, like, Martin and Gonf working on these riddles together and just kind of chuckling to each other. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can see that. Or to quote the Abridged series, and yes, they have Martin do this. Matthias gets two seasons, I'll only get one. I'll show him. <laughs> I'll make the sword hard to find. <laughs> Yeah, and this is also when we get Constance seeing through the trick, and she's like, we should do something about this. And Abbott's like, eh, I think it'll all blow over. Yeah. Yeah. And then... That's when, that's when you wish Constance, like, no, I'm relieving you of duty. <laughs> I'm in charge now. <laughs> it's like, fine. You go ahead and sit here and be Mr. I love peace. I'm going to go over there in the real world and take care of the bloodthirsty rats trying to kill all of us. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But yes, yeah, so we, we kind of skipped over the tomb here. Yes, they figure out the riddle of the tomb. And 
Poor Mole likes sniffing stone a little too and, much. And <laughs> licking it, too. He licks the stair. Why did he lick the stair? I thought he did that in the book, but maybe I'm making that up. Uh, maybe it was just weirder actually seeing him do it. <laughs> I don't know. That could be true, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, seeing yeah. him do that, I'm like, uh, what? <laughs> yep, so they get they get to the door and get inside the tomb and, yeah. Well, when the door opens, Matthias is like, okay, you go first. And I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> You're afraid of a tomb. There's literally nothing but a corpse in there, dude. Probably just a pile of dust now. Yep. Yep. Which made me actually think, and we're, again, this is ahead of, we haven't read Moss Flower yet, but I'm starting to think Martin, Martin's tomb is actually part of Casa Cotier. Cotier? Yeah, Yeah. that's what I was thinking, is when they're walking, I I mean, when they're walking through that hallway, it looks kind of grungy like Cotier does. And they're outright said, this is deeper than I've ever seen Redwall go before. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense, and I could see Martin being enough of a enough of a sense of humor or gone if he if Martin died first to put Martin's tomb in Tarzmania's old bedroom. Oh yeah, I could see Gonf doing. Like I said, I I pictured Gonf and Martin doing this. I could see Gonf doing the trickier stuff in this, and Martin would be like, no, 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 this might make it a little too hard. He's like, no, 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 it'll be great. It'll be cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, meanwhile, back with the foxes, Methus is like, hey, stop stealing our stuff. Ow, you hit me. But it doesn't kill me outright. <laughs> right. I'm okay. And, and I was super confused when I saw this for the first time. I was like, wait, he's dead already? But, like, that doesn't make I sense. I better. I feel happy. Happy. <laughs> <laughs> Good news, everyone. I'm still alive thanks to retconning. We then get to the cut yeah. to uh, Clooney trying to dig in, and Matthias is like, Cornflower, what are we having for breakfast? <laughs> yeah, this is <laughs> random. Because I know what Clooney I'm not is. I'm your breakfast. <laughs> I, I, I almost want Cornflower to kind of like deadpan look at him. I'm not making you breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, in episode four, she totally does make him breakfast. <laughs> 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 but yeah, they change. In the original book, the Red Wallers, it's pretty tactically smart. They pour boiling water down into Clooney's tunnel. Instead, this time they pour porridge down there, which the abbot actually does commend Matthias for, and leads to one of my favorite lines from Clooney. After, like, everyone, he throws (laughs) one of the other rats down there, the porridge just completely engulfs him, and then he goes, Porridge? They defeated me with porridge! (laughs) (laughs) Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then, as the Red Wallers capture Sela, Basil's like, I say you string her up, beat her, and then kill her. And then just draw a quarter, and they're like, they'll look at him like, dude, because I'm afraid to just let her go. <laughs> and, cons- let her go. and they even question, like, let her go, and he's like, yeah. Whatever Clooney has in store for her is probably worse than whatever we can do. Yep. And then they throw her out, and then she slowly turns and sees Clooney and his entire army, and we get Clooney just going, If I was you, I'd run. <laughs> yeah. And 
Just ignore that slicing and screaming sound, kids. CBS <laughs> doesn't show bloodshed. Oh my god, the sound effects are bad. <laughs> oh god, and the chicken hound but gets away. But we're not away. done yet. Yeah. Yeah, he, he runs through the porridge tunnel <laughs> and doesn't go very far. He literally stops at the tree where the tunnel started. <laughs> Like, dude, they can still come after you. Oh, snake. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that bite. And his oh crap face is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> uh, but I'm, I would do that. I'm sure we'll never see him again, but no, we already said he gets played by Tim Curry. He transforms <laughs> so. into Tim Curry. Yay. I'm sure we'll never hear his voice actor again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very nice. Then episode four starts with like a time jump. Like all of a sudden they figured out the shield riddle even though it was never brought up in the first place. Yes, this is weird. Nope. See, Nancy Drew is good at her job. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Constance is the one that points out what it was. She's like, I always well, found this little divot in the wall and could never figure out what it was for. Well, she says she's been at Redwall since he was a child. So, yeah. More for our fan in theory that uh, she's Mara's daughter. Or bloodline, at least. Yep. Yeah, that would make sense. Then, let there be moon! Ancient Redwall laser beams! (laughs) (laughs) And for more Zelda, in the morning when the rooster crows, I swear it's the exact same sound effect that they use in Ocarina of Time. (laughs) <laughs> like the exact same like stock rooster crow yeah, and Matthias is, they realize the sword's supposed to be in the weather vane and Matthias just to climb up himself on the exterior <laughs> yes. you know because we didn't go through that whole bit of the there's internal passages in the book for nothing yep I, I did <laughs> my immediate and reaction cornflower calls him an idiot yep what? My immediate does she reaction. call him an idiot <laughs> sorry go ahead I was just going to say... Does she ever call him an idiot, or I can't remember? Yeah, yeah she does, and it's it's kind of justified. He's kind of a little bit dumber in the um, series than he is in the book. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh. he doesn't delegate his tasks well. Like, in the book, he's like, I hope Mrs. Squirrel is, you know, available. And here he's just like, oh, my Oh, God. hi, Jess Squirrel. Where did you come from? <laughs> yeah. My, my immediate reaction as he was climbing was, where's Jess Squirrel when you need her? And then he slips, and I'm like, no, seriously, where's Jess? Yeah. And then he grabs onto the, like, grating, which slowly moves, and they're like, Matthias! And he's like, ah! And he's just kind of <laughs> slowly falling, and then re- and then stops, and then Jess is like, you can let go now. And he's like, okay! And he just puts his feet <laughs> on the ground and goes, oh, I'm an idiot. Yes. Yes, you are. <laughs> yes. Oh. <laughs> and then Jess actually does climb up, and as the sparrows appear and try to murder her, Bas and Basil, Base, Basil and <laughs> Matthias are like, "All right, we're gonna stop them." Mortimer's like, "No, don't kill them." I'm like they're trying to kill her, you idiot. Yes, and he actually does say Maybe that in the book too. He's like, "Please don't try to harm any of the birds." Like. <laughs> I do like how Basil and Matthias immediately, like, okay, and they just snap the uh, arrowheads off and start shooting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's still hard if they get hit, though. Yeah, but it wouldn't, like, insta-murder them. No. And then, uh, 
Yeah. And then, but we also don't get the absolutely adorable and funny scene of Sam putting the putting the rabbit blade between his teeth and the others having to hold him back to rescue his mom. Yeah. yeah. That was, oh man, I totally forgot about that part. Darn it, that would have been great to watch. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Mr. Squirrel is, um, huh. MIA. Where is he? <laughs> Out, he's uh, on a nature walk, right? Yes. Yes. Um, I would like to say I instantly loved Cartoon Warbeak. Oh, I know. She is awesome. And as I was watching this episode, I like I scrolled down, and the very first YouTube comment was, I love Warbeak. <laughs> yes. Yeah, she's awesome. And then... And then, but they still trap her underneath the basket while Cornflower sasses at her. Yep. <laughs> but Matthias is forgiving. <laughs> I love it when Matthias, like, is kind of talking to himself, and he's like, that's where the sword must be, and Warbeak's like, Warbeak, prisoner of crazy mouse worm, get it! <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then Cooney shoots a random arrow over the wall. Yeah, where did that come from? <laughs> Just all of a sudden. Oh, oh, it's the plot. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and then Matthias, Matthias decides to start climbing up the wall again. Okay. And somehow Warbeak is climbing with him. Yeah. And with an injured wing. And somehow, even though he has less things to grab onto now, he makes it up with no problem. Because Instead of using the internal passages, which we established in the book, yeah, that's the what plot I was... said so. That's why he is climbing <laughs> with no problem. Yes. <laughs> Their plot can be into climbing spaces. Yes. And then, of course, the sparrows attack him, because that's what they're going to do. Yep. Yeah, why do you think this would go any differently? So, I, lo- and, I love the, the, the sparrow talk. I love Warbeak. Um... Bull Sparrow kind of gave me flashbacks of something not good. Uh, Pete, did you pick up on a specific Star Wars character that bull, did Bull Sparrow remind you of somebody? Do I want to know here? Uh, the head Gungan in Episode One. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Wow, Pete's dead. <laughs> Excuse me. Oh, I need to go scream a moment. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> oh, and before they before he meets King Bull Sparrow, he uh, the sparrows decide to drop him and then catch him because they just decide to screw with his head. Yeah. And bring his, him his brown robes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we get Bull Sparrow with his crazy orange eyebrows. <laughs> Oh, and then when Bull Sparrow is just hilarious, like I can't take this character seriously because then they cut to him in his like little royal area, and he's just swinging around on the swing like he's in a bird cage, <laughs> <laughs> just swinging back and forth, not caring. <laughs> yep. Oh god! And apparently the sparrows can build a bamboo cage. Anyone this? Uh, I guess yeah, I so. Guess. With a with a working latch. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's impressive. Considering how Dunwing in the book was saying that it would take two or three journeys sometimes just to carry up a worm. <laughs> oh yeah. Meanwhile, they carry Matthias with no problem. Yeah. Yep. And 
Dun... We, we get old... This moves very fast, because suddenly Dunwing's t telling the lie to King Volspera about Poison Teeth's dying, and they go fly off, and... Yeah, yeah. yeah they kind of race through the section. They really do. I think they would have been maybe better off if they would have done, like, a part one, part two sort of thing. Like, they leave off with Matthias there at the end of the episode, and then in the next episode they continue and finish this part. I would be okay yep. with taking the circus out to do that. Yeah. Agreed. And then, we get to, again, this follows the same book. Matthias and Bullsbearer get in a fight on the roof, and they both fall conjoined uh, together into the pond. Yep. But instead of taking a couple of hours to find a barely surviving Matthias, no, no, they find him right away. <laughs> and they even call on the, ot the otters, who have been pretty much off screen this entire time. And have a... <laughs> Apparently been frolicked in the uh. pond with no clothes on. What? <laughs> <laughs> and give a sea lion barks instead of, you know, actual otter noises. Yeah. What? I just have to say... What are they doing naked <laughs> in the pond? Why are they sea lions? <laughs> when Matthias and Bolsfera are fighting, Matthias, the voice actor, gives the most hilarious yell. And I don't know why I find this so funny, but he's just like, And I just had to rewind that several times if they hear it again. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. And uh, they, they managed to revive Matthias with... I'm not... If Heimlich is the right word, or CPR? I, it's CPR. Right. CPR. Yeah, no, the Heimlich and is he when you... have broken ribs, because... Yeah. Heimlich is when you grab someone from behind and pr give pressure on their chest. Yeah, real life CPR breaks people's ribs. It does. Oh, this is a cartoon. They keep you alive. <laughs> oh, shut up. <laughs> and Matthias was an inch from death in the in the book. No, no, he's fine. <laughs> Just walking off. I'm okay. <laughs> I'm not okay. <laughs> Please don't leave me with the terrible doctor. <laughs> I will say, though, at least Mortimer did something helpful. He did. Good for him. Yeah. And, and yeah, that's the end of episode four. This episode goes by really fast. It does. Like It's just like, does not take a chance to breathe. It's just like, quick, 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 quick. All of a sudden, oh, it's done. <laughs> yep. Yep. And I can't imagine how, how to put the breaks the plot in the next episode with a circus or anything. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. you think they would have spaced out a 330-page book into a 13-episode cartoon a lot better? Yeah, and they did do a lot better job with the next two seasons in doing that. I wonder yes. I wonder if maybe they, when they were first planning this stuff out, they thought certain things would take longer than they actually did. Because, of course, I mean, it's like a constant thing with TV shows, and I, I've listened to enough Simpsons commentaries where they're like, yeah, we thought this would be, this, you know, a certain length, it ended up being a lot longer, it ended up being a lot shorter, and I, when, maybe when they were scripting all this out, they're like, oh, yeah, this will definitely take up the full 22 minutes, and they're like, oh, shoot, we got six more minutes to kill. <laughs> crap, crap, um, uh... Circus! Yep. <laughs> yes. Matthias has a sister now. Actually, yeah, they're they're even this far ahead, even though the most of the first episode, or like the first half of the first episode, was stuff that wasn't even in the book. 
Yeah. Hmm. So, as a first third, because I tried to, uh, we're pacing these episodes out, so it's kind of like books one, two, and three. Ah. <laughs> uh, as, yeah, it, we get a rushed introduction, we get Myrtle. Bye, Myrtle! <laughs> yeah. You will always remember me. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we get the Sparrows introduced as quickly and everything else. So, and Clooney is, as a villain, is, I don't know, we don't get the, we get the whole, like, disbelief and then realizing all the stories are true about this guy, mm. that, that we get in the last one, in the actual book. But, he, uh, I can't, I kind of guess that's why they did the whole Matthias' childhood flashback to establish Clooney's the bad guy, but that's almost not really necessary. Yeah. Mm. I guess they wanted, like, a personal stake in it for Matthias. I mean, it, I'm sure he'll never bring it up again. What do you guys think so far? It's not bad at all. Like, it's fine. If if I had seen this when I was a kid, I, I know I would have really enjoyed this cartoon. Um, and, yeah, I mean, we nitpicked and had fun with it and everything, but overall, it's perfectly fine. It's a good show. Um, I'd say mm-hmm. I would then seek out and watch the rest of it, but I know we're going to do that anyway, so I just assemb- essentially look forward to when we watch more of the cartoon. Right. I gotta say, it's a lot easier to hold back and not watch this in advance <laughs> than it is with the books. Yeah. 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 Whereas with uh, Martin the Warrior Book 3, I actually... Even though we did delay it by a week, I think I had finished reading that only a couple of days after we did book two. Um, with this mm-hmm. one, I, I like I said, I probably would maybe would seek it out, but I'm and I'm looking forward to covering more of it because I'm curious to see. I'm actually kind of curious about the circus now, um, but yeah, this isn't something that I'm like dying to jump into again. But it's definitely not bad at all. No, it's not. It was no. entertaining. Um, and enjoyable. I just got frustrated the first time I watched it about not knowing what was going on for the first half of the first episode. <laughs> but now that I found the Redwall wiki, so I read the plot summary and I was like, oh, that's what happened. Okay. So thank you, wiki. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I didn't mind it, but no, there, there are certain... And there's very few elements that we only mentioned, already mentioned, the whole Redwall being self-sufficient and Clooney being on the Travis Street, mysteriously. Mm-hmm. That really kind of make me, like, kind of do a facepalm. But that's about it. Oh, it's better than my Star Wars Episode One reference that made you do a face plant. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for that, <laughs> I'm sorry. It is the first thing that popped no, in you're my not. head. Huh? <laughs> you're not sorry. Uh, <laughs> sorry, not sorry. But it, it really was. Yeah. It really was the first thing that popped into my head when I first heard, when I heard him start talking. Oh man. Uh, don't worry. I mean, he's dead. Drowned. He's all washed up. <laughs> Anyway, 
Okay, folks, so next time we're going to be doing episodes 5 through 8, and then the last episode's, what, 9 through 13? Yep. Uh, thanks for coming on, every, everybody, and we'll see you next... Oh, Jeremy, where can they find <laughs> us? <laughs> uh, you can... Aha! You almost got away, got away without doing it. <sighs> <laughs> Pete's revenge. Um... <laughs> Yes. <laughs> you can find us at recorderonthewall.com. We are on iTunes. We are on Google Play. Um, we now have our own Twitter account, which is at ROTWpod. Uh, and we have our we have a email address for feedback. It's ROTWpod at gmail.com. I haven't checked it. Have we gotten anything in that yet? Uh, uh, let me check it right now. Just some emails from Twitter is all I've seen. Like, look at these videos on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, See what's <laughs> trending. Yes. Come join us on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Did you want to mention the Reddit and the forum as well? Oh, yes. And Ah, uh, yes. I'll take okay. it. We're on Red, uh, the, su- the subreddit for all things Redwall related, Eulalia, as well as the official Redwall forums. So. We love feedback there. Yep. Feedback anywhere. Feedback good. Except for microphone feedback. That we don't want. Well, yes. <laughs> That's bad. Killing time till right, Pete finds if we have emails. I don't no, think... Yeah, don't. I was okay. going to say... I- I have it connected in my phone as part of my inboxes, and I've been checking it. Oh, okay. All right, folks, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye, everyone.